Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Hello, hello, and welcome back to our podcast. Thanks for being here. Really, thanks for being here. I appreciate your time and energy on this beautiful day, wherever you are located, wherever you call this place called home. We have over 27 countries that we had this week listening in. And like I said before, this warms my heart because... It shows me that there are enough people out there who are either tired of the current, the loudest narrative around this so-called mental disorder, as it is currently labeled ADHD, standing for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. There's enough of you who are either tired of this loud or the loudest current narrative, or you're curious if there's more than meets the eye. And we are here to say, yes, there's way more than meets the eye. And what meets the eye is pretty much your top Google searches and the what we call loudest bullhorns, experts and books out there. When you dig deeper, you realize, and we certainly quickly realized in seven years of research, intensive research into this matter, we quickly realized that it's a never-ending stream of books, experts, articles, videos, and so forth. And that's good. That's how it should be, you know, with anything that's medical or scientific. We should never say the debate is over. Here's the truth. Because then it wouldn't really be serving medicine and science. Because things change. Remember, you've heard me say this before, in the 50s here in the United States, doctors used to sell, advertise, promote, and speak highly of cigarettes. That's just one example. Could give you more. <clears throat> Excuse me. But that's to show that medicine and science, especially, and even religion, if I may include that, you know, here as well, should never say, this is over, this is the truth, and there's no more evolution. Nothing's going to change. Nothing better is going to come along. But hey, guess what? The so-called top experts around ADHD tried to do that several times. Back in 02, again, I think in 10, even recent, as recent as 2020, to have a consensus to say, you know, the search is over. We have the truth. This is what it is. This is what ADHD is. This is what the most effective treatment is. Stop questioning it. Stop questioning it. Right? Well, that, that backfired. That didn't work because there were enough experts on our side, I call this side Camp Thriving, and the others Camp Coping. You know, thank God there was enough in Camp Thriving, enough experts who said, okay, hold on. No, you can't do that. You can't just say we have enough science to shut you up. That's not how science works. Anyway, I don't wanna get lost in that today. I could easily because it's so ridiculous. So if you're here because you're questioning ADHD or the, the, the label, the diagnosis, 
the medication, the experts out there telling your children that their brains are broken. And I know some of you may say, well, that's not really what they say, so don't make them out worse, you know. No, but even if that's not the words they use, and we're going to get into this today around metaphors and words and labels when it comes to ADHD, because children at a young age don't necessarily listen to the exact words, or they will. It's unpredictable. Different children will react different ways. So whenever a label or a diagnosis is remotely disempowering, children will sense it. I don't care if you as the expert follow up your diagnosis with, but don't worry, we're here to help. It does not matter. When a child hears, herds or perceives themselves as broken or not normal or disadvantaged, or you need medication in order to be great, those things will leave a mark, a very long-lasting mark. And that's why we're doing this. We're not anti-meds, and I say this again and again. We're not anti-meds like we're anti-vaxxers or something like that. We're not. We're anti when experts say that it is a mental disorder that one has for life and that medication's the most effective uh, treatment. That we are anti because that is scientifically proven as not true. And not only scientifically, our own family here has proven this with our son Kai. That you do not have this made-up disorder for life. You're not doomed with it. You're not predetermined to have ADHD genetically. It's not even, there's not even a gene. And it's not even genetic. That has also scientifically been mis-disproven. So, but let's get into it. There's a famous ADHD expert named Dr. Hallowell, Ned Hallowell, a very nice gentleman. We have also communicated with Dr. Hallowell several times via email, inviting him to be on the podcast or to be in the documentary, which he has declined. Uh, we can respect that. He feels that uh, our title ADHD is over is not accurate and it's clever wordplay word that has no basis in science or medicine. Um, and while I can respect that answer and I see why he's not willing to engage in a conversation, I also take the right to um, talk about one of his uh, metaphors, his very famous metaphor that you may have heard as a parent. And that metaphor basically talks about how your brain, uh, the child with ADHD, your brain is a Ferrari. Yet, what he says, he says, when explaining ADHD to a child, he says, you have a turbocharged mind like a Ferrari engine, but the brakes of a bicycle, and I'm the brake expert, right? So clever metaphor. But here's why this metaphor is, uh, first of all, completely set in the, the child is the problem on that side, side of coping, right? Because when you as a child hear that you have a Ferrari brain and the brakes of a bicycle, and there's an expert, a brake expert, to help with the brakes, then the child feels like his or her brain, that's a Ferrari engine, 
is the problem. It's too strong, too loud, too fast. And so that's not going to change. But the expert's going to help you get better breaks. So then you can, again, manage or cope with this out of control brain. That's, I mean, that's just one angle the, the, the metaphor takes, right? First of all, I would also say that it's good that Dr. Hallowell is a psychologist, um, therapist, not a mechanic, because here are the things that I think are a bit off with this metaphor. First of all, if I was a mechanic and somebody would bring a Ferrari to me and they would say, hey man, Roman, uh, I heard you're a, a brake expert and uh, check this Ferrari out. I don't know what's happening, but we keep crashing. Okay, let's look at the brakes since that's the first thing you mentioned, right? The client mentions the brakes. You kind of go look at it. So I'd probably have one of my mechanics. If I was the famous Roman garage mechanic, maybe I won't do it myself, but roll with me on this metaphor. You know, a mechanic would check out the car, drive it around the corner, and if the Ferrari indeed had bicycle brakes, then two things. First of all, we would say, oh, that's the problem. You, you're driving the car way too fast because for the type of brakes you have on there, bicycle brakes, you can't go faster than five miles per hour, right? Or something like that. So, and also we need to replace the brakes with better brakes, with actual Ferrari brakes, right? So this is where Dr. Hallowell would come in and say, well, I'm a brake expert. Let me give you the, what he would probably call appropriate brakes to slow down this super fast, what they really mean is out of control, car, aka brain, right? So I hope you're following me so far. So the brake expert comes in to suggest the appropriate brakes. Now, in this case, somewhat over 70% of therapists, when a child is diagnosed with ADHD, their first advice or the first treatment suggested is medication. There's studies on that. It's something like, I think it's 71% um, of, of parents have reported that when they got the diagnosis that the either the most uh, effective treatment or the first treatment suggested was a stimulant or stimulant drugs, such as Ritalin, Vyvanse, you know. Um, so what Dr. Hallowell is saying, the breaks I'm recommending are the medication, right? And he's not saying this all the time. He may tell someone, first, you're going to do some occupational therapy or some developmental, uh, you know, some training, other things. But 71% of the time, experts like him will, when they refer to the break, they're referring to stimulant drugs. So now imagine being a child and somebody is as clever as Dr. Hallowell or tries to be as cute uh, in, in, in their waiting room to say, look, uh, Timmy, uh, you have a turbocharged mind, like a Ferrari engine. But unfortunately, I put in that word, unfortunately, the brakes of a bicycle. But don't worry, I put in that part too. I'm the brake expert. How would you feel as a child? Well, it's hard to imagine, right? Because we're now adults, unless you are a six, seven-year-old child listening to this. If you're a parent listening 
just imagine children, right? They're so creative. Their imaginations run wild, especially in those years, in those early years. I mean, they can, for the girls, you know, when they're having tea parties with no tea in their cups and no real cups and it's plastic and everything, and they can, they can be princesses or they're like at the queen's palace having tea and it's real for them. And same with boys, they can play with wooden toys and think that it's a truck or they can, you know, do pillow forts and they actually feel like they could sleep and live in it and there's kitchens and garages in those pillow forts. I mean, it's amazing. So they're very imaginative, very creative. Now, if a doctor, often these gentlemen or, or gentlewomen wear white, uh, uh, you know, coats with their name on it. Uh, or they're just dressed like a doctor. They, they look official. They're a doctor. When, when a child hear, hears, I'm going to see a doctor, it's the same as going to see a policeman you know, or a lawyer. There's an authority there. There's a weight. And when a doctor looks at a child and then says, uh, your brain is like a turbocharged, you have a turbocharged mind, like a Ferrari, but the brakes of a bicycle and I'm, I'm the brake expert, that means little person, I'm the authoritative, I'm the doctor here, I'm the one that knows and I'm telling you, your brain is out of control. And then the part of your brain inside of the brain that's supposed to control it is too weak. So we need to fix this and I, I have the fix. All of that may not even register in that moment. What a child hears is my brain is not normal. Now, I'm not a six or seven-year-old, but think about it. What you don't hear is that everything's fine, you're great, you're like the other kids, you're doing well, none of that, right? And given these are behaviors, although uh, psychiatry or psychology or medicine likes to call it symptoms, I'm here to say these are behaviors that are causing friction with the environment, right, between the child and the environment. So yes, of course, the child is currently not feeling like he's, she's fitting in or normal. But on top of that, to have somebody literally medicine, is that the word medicinally? From the world of medicine, confirm that it's official, that there's something off. I'm not using the word wrong for now, off with your brain. If you're six, seven, eight years old, that is a huge fucking deal. That is not to be taken lightly. I'll say it again. That is not to be taken lightly. It's easy for us adults to say, well, yeah, but they just want to help them and they just want them to be able to focus, to get better grades, to graduate, to make a life. Okay. I get the intention. Yes. Now that's driven from fear. That's driven from what I call scarcity. If my son doesn't become someone or my daughter to fit into that system, they will not have a good life. Now that's a whole nother episode. And I've done episodes on that. The fear of parents, right? Afraid that their son or daughter won't turn out. By the way, that fear is also completely fabricated by our society's loud, noisy, uh, fear voice. Um, don't want to get into that too much right now, but I get it. Parents are worried that if their child is not quote-unquote, structured to be able to focus, they will fail in life. I get it. 
But let's leave that aside for a moment because your child is now six or seven. Most kids, I think the majority of them are diagnosed around six or seven, uh, mostly boys. There's some girls as well, but it's, it's, uh, the ratio I think is like eight to one. Um, don't quote me on that number. It changes, but definitely majority boys. So leaving that fear aside in that moment, something very powerful happens to a child because the child in those early years is creating uh, their their value, you know, their view of, of themselves or how people see them. It's starting to to happen. It's starting to seep in. And when there is a feedback from a uh, medical professional about a person's brain, remember that's the intelligence of that person, that has a huge effect on their long-term mental health. I claim it has a worse effect than the so-called ADHD diagnosis, as in having to deal with this with this so-called disorder, with these symptoms in life. I believe the effect of actually labeling a child that way has worse, much worse effects on their long-term mental health. There are studies that back that up, and I recently had... Um, a heart is a heartbreaking story as one of our listeners reached out and shared their own personal story. It happens often, but this one really touched my heart because this one was a child that is now an adult, uh, that is now in his twenties and is struggling so, so hard with addictions. And that child, contrary to what, what science or medicine likes parents to believe that child was medicated uh, for ADHD with Ritalin. And as they always say, unmedicated children will later in life self-medicate. That is also a fabricated story because there's a uh, close to 30-year study by Nadine Lambert at Berkeley that proved exactly the opposite. That children who were medicated at a young age for mental disorders such as ADHD were more likely to self-medicate or do drugs or alcohol, smoke, and so forth, right? The soothing addictions later in life than children that were not medicated. So these are studies, parents, that you must be aware of because the loud and current narrative around ADHD tells us only one side of the story. I always say it's a one-sided story. I never say it's a false narrative. It's a one-sided narrative. They may have their... There's science, that, you know, I usually say they cherry pick a lot of these um, scientific studies to, to sort of match their narrative and, and please their, their, the funders of the interest groups that fund them, right? And that's not, that you can look that up on Wikipedia, enter any ADHD experts and it'll tell you somewhere at the bottom, uh, if they're transparent, who funds those experts for consulting or research and so forth and how much money they get paid. And so, you know, it's all, it's all there. It's just that as a parent, I get it. When we, my wife and I first uh, found out that our son was diagnosed with ADHD, at first we were both working like full time. We were stressed out. We had our own companies. It was hard to do all this research. 
And it wasn't until I really got committed and passionate about this project that I said, you know what, I need to dig deeper. I need to read, talk to experts, read articles, watch videos, question everything, flip it over again and again and again and again until it all started to make sense. And unless you do that, it's easy to just be swept away by the first two pages of your Google search and go, oh, yep, ADHD disorder. Yep, medication's the best, most effective. Yep, here's the top expert. Yep, this is what he says. And that's why I wanted to make an episode around this because there's so many experts that have brilliant metaphors. And at first when somebody hears, you know, there was a, a mother on one of the links that I saw that said, oh my God, thank you so much, Dr. Hallowell. Now it all makes sense. Now I, now I know what's happening to my child. He's got a Ferrari, Ferrari brain and, and bicycle brakes. Oh, good, I get it. Well, I'm here to say that doesn't explain shit. All it explains, again, is that there's some behavior that children show and that causes friction between them and the environment. And so somebody, in, in the case of Dr. Hallowell, said, oh, that's easy to explain. Imagine driving a Ferrari with bicycle brakes. Yeah, the word is out of control. When you drive a supercar like a Ferrari and you actually would have bicycle brakes, I don't think Dr. Hallowell ever, ever fixed his own car, changed his own oil, and I'm not an expert either. But when you have that metaphor, what you're saying is out of control. Picture yourself driving a Ferrari at high speed and using bicycle brakes. You would lose control. So when we say that these are great metaphors, because now a mother can say, oh, my child's out of control. Now this metaphor explains it. Thank you so much. Okay. Now here comes the most important part of why I wanted to do this episode. Going back to the client, right? The customer that shows up with the Ferrari and the bicycle brakes. My mechanic would come back from this test drive to see what's wrong with it and say, and I did start there earlier after saying, well, yes, you have bicycle brakes and yes, these are not the most optimal, right? Brakes for this car. I wouldn't ever tell my mechanic to just say, okay, well, you're going to need some Ferrari brakes and let's slap those on and then you'll be fine. It seems like the obvious thing to do, doesn't it, right? No, the first thing I would, as a mechanic, say to whoever brought in this Ferrari that has bicycle brakes, I would say, how the fuck did those bicycle brakes get onto this Ferrari? How did that happen? Who thought of doing that? Why are the why do you have bicycle brakes on a I don't get it. I've never seen anything like this. It makes no sense, right? That would be my first question and to me that is equal the following question when it comes to ADHD. The question is very simple. Why might my child not have the God-given skill necessary to control himself or herself. How come? What might have happened in my child's life, early life, that could cause my child to not be able to avoid causing friction in life, the behaviors, right, that stick out? 
That would be my first question. And when you start answering that question, then this metaphor of the Ferrari brain and the bicycle brakes makes no sense. Could is a very shallow surface level analogy to say, child, you're out of control. Your brain is broken. And the only way to fix this is with medication. Or if it's treatment, it's lifelong, you know, it's coping for life. That is literally what the metaphor allows for. The metaphor does not take into account that someone's going to want to dig deeper to see why this child is dealing with this out of controlness. It is taking no responsibility. As parents, we are the ones who have to take that responsibility. We're the ones who have to tell the mechanic that, well, I think maybe, maybe the bicycle brakes got on there because of X, Y, Z. I think I didn't realize it for a while because I wasn't really looking at it or we have to dig deeper. We cannot allow for these experts to give us these very surface level metaphors and then be satisfied with that. And then just explain our child to someone else with this metaphor. I mean, look, I'm not pointing fingers, but if you're using this metaphor, I invite you, or if you have used it or still using it, I invite you to, to kind of question whether this is actually, you know, portraying your child in a positive light. Is it? Can it? Possibly. It's cute. But is it really empowering your child or has it already started damaging your child's self-image? And I'm here to say that after I read the story that our, our listener wrote, that it very clearly can lead to low self-esteem. And guess what happens when we have low self-esteem? Guess what's waiting right there around the corner lurking? is some kind of soothing mechanism, some kind of addiction, whether it's alcohol makes us feel better, uh, marijuana, you can check out, you can you know, have, a, have a nice trip, uh, cocaine, meth, you name it, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever the soothing mechanism. For some people, it's shopping, food. Uh, for some people, it's anorexia. For some people, it's just being a loner, not being around people, staying home, video games, you name it soothing mechanism. I call it also the, um, the uh, uh, you know, somebody recently said that transgenerational trauma that gets passed on uh, is the cause for a lot of these mental disorders and addictions. And while I agree, I felt it was important that there was a nuance in there, which is it's not the trauma necessarily that gets passed on. It's the coping mechanisms that then defined our character or our parents' characters that we then copied from them as their children. So it's even if we didn't know about the trauma, right? Because uh, sometimes you don't know. Generations and generations of family members don't share. They will keep in secret the trauma that the family went through in the early years. And so we may not know the trauma, but we can definitely, we will, we will model and pick up our parents' coping mechanisms their strong suits in life, who they had to become to deal with this trauma or to hide it or you name it, right? So it's the coping mechanisms. So what I'm saying is these addictions, these, um, 
these soothing mechanisms or soothing techniques that we think are going to fill the void of the lack of self-love and self-esteem, they're waiting right around the corner. And if we start, you know, um, diminishing, destroying our, our children's early self-confidence by telling them that they're not normal, they're broken, they have a Ferrari brain and bicycle brakes, and they need medication, which is an external source that they need to depend on, which it, you know eventually creates dependency. That's where a lot of the drugs come in. You know, addiction is being dependent on a substance or a thing, an action that makes us feel whole for the time being, and then we run out of it and we have to do it again, right? That's, a, that's an addiction. So I'm here to say we have to be more careful as parents and educators and as experts. I'm asking everyone that we need to reevaluate what kind of hidden damage all of these current mechanisms, these diagnoses and labels and the ways we talk to children about ADHD, about what they have, quote unquote, what they're their disease or disorder is like, right? We have to start questioning. Could it be that there's a lot, a lot we're not seeing, that there are many, many, many ways we're actually psychologically damaging our children already as early as five, six, seven years old, and that in the future, they're going to really struggle with their, their addictions. And I always say this, that Addicts are not addicts because they're addicts. Just like someone with ADHD doesn't have ADHD because they have ADHD. I know it's a clever wordplay, but hear me out on this. Addicts are not bad people born bad apples, like God making mistakes up there. Just like kids with ADHD aren't kids born with, with brains that are incomplete or broken. Like God made some mistakes. Oops, sorry, these, you know... Five million kids, uh, their brains not quite, you know, sent them down too early. Oopsie. I'm a believer of none of that. None of that to me is true. None of it. Because again, a child with ADHD does not have ADHD because he or she has ADHD. ADHD is simply, first of all, made up. It's a label. It defines, it tries to describe a set of symptoms and all symptoms are, are behaviors. They're literally observable behaviors. That's how we diagnose ADHD. There's no blood test. There's not even a brain test. I know there's a famous Dr. Amen out there who prides himself of taking, uh, um, you know, um, uh, brain scans that, that clearly prove that this is your brain on ADHD and this is a normal brain. Again, Another really bad way to tell certain children that now we can even with brain scans prove that you're abnormal, but don't worry, I'm going to help you to be normal, right? And again, I'm not judging any of these experts' um, methods because some do not prescribe medication at first. Here I'm only judging and questioning um, how we introduce uh, this what I call behavioral challenge uh, to the to the children, because beyond the behavior challenge lies the diagnosis of a mental disorder. And we can argue left and right. I claim there are no mental disorders like ADHD. All it is is there's challenges that that child faces at that moment in in his or her life 
with certain behaviors that are triggered by something that we're not looking at. And that's what causes them to have friction in life. And what we're not looking at is what has stressed out or traumatized a child. And every child is different. Sensitivity levels are different. Some small thing is enough for one child to be traumatized, to have a mild form of PTSD. That's what then causes those behaviors to show up. And those behaviors are then labeled as symptoms. And those symptoms are then collectively labeled as a disorder, in this case, ADHD, that then becomes a thing. People say, I have ADHD. I'm sorry, no one has ADHD. You cannot have ADHD. I don't want to get too much into detail. There's an episode I've already done around that. Um, you cannot have a thing that's made up. You can show certain behaviors that are like the ones that that the you know the APA American Psychiatric Association in the DSM calls symptoms for ADHD this disorder you can show those behaviors but they're behaviors you're behaving a certain way wouldn't it make sense to find out why are you behaving a certain way and not because oh because I have ADHD no because it's made up you can't say I have these behaviors because I have ADHD I hope you're following. That makes no sense. That is literally impossible. I don't know if I needed to use the word literally, but scientifically it's impossible. You cannot show a set of behaviors because you have a invented quote unquote mental disorder. Doesn't work that way. Why are the behaviors there? Why? What happened? And I, when I say what happens, some people get triggered. Well, not every child had trauma in their lives. And, you know, not every child. Well, you don't know that. I don't know that. But what I do know for a fact is that, and this is, we're starting to see more science around this, especially in parenting, that the nervous system, every child's nervous system has a different level of sensitivity. When a nervous system is shocked into high alert, and I'm excited to be talking to um, the inventor of the polyvagal theory, Dr. Stephen Porges, um, in June. Excuse me. Coming up soon. And then in July with uh, Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote uh, The Body Keeps the Score. We're going to dive deeper into uh, the nervous system. And so when a nervous system gets shocked by an event, and again, it doesn't have to be much for certain children. It can even be at birth being born into a hospital setting, something goes wrong, uh, you know, or a child is taken away from the mother too soon or for too long. There's many studies that even talk about circumcision being one of those traumas. There's C-sections or traumas. Like all of these things, we cannot possibly just generalize them and say that's not enough to uh, traumatize a child. We don't know that. The fact is when there's trauma for a child and something happened in their lives that leaves their nervous system on high alert, that those behaviors can easily be then called the symptom for ADHD. And that is simply not fair to a child who is now labeled based on their behaviors when in fact something happened in their lives that they're usually that they couldn't be responsible for, had nothing to do with, 
that they were a victim of. And that's why I wanted to do an episode around this because we need to stop using these clever surface level metaphors to damage the confidence, the self-image of our children, or we're going to see a whole generation growing up addicted, soothing, and people who are referenced externally who need such things as medication, external sources to feel whole, and we're going to have a problem. So thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back here to ADHD is over. It's always a pleasure. We don't take your attention lightly and your energy and your time you gave us. Until next time, have an amazing life.